You're listening to AskDaryl.com. You've got questions, we'll get you the answers. AskDaryl.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 52 of the Ask Daryl podcast. The Ask Daryl podcast is where I, your host, Daryl Girardier, take your questions on social media, communications, technology, and all dealing with the church and do my best to answer them in the most brief yet thorough way possible. Today we're dealing with design and more importantly, we're dealing with how do you sell a design uh, to your minister, to a ministry or anybody inside your organization that you're doing work for. And the reason why we're talking about this this today is because we get this a lot in the church communications group where somebody will talk about a design that they've got, they're really excited about. And then occasionally we get a follow-up post of, I showed this design, but they hated it or it didn't work out. And all of a sudden you just see things kind of visually just kind of go down in flames. So today we're going to talk about how you build a case for a design and how do you make your work last in a sense of presenting the design and making the design, selling it. And so the fact that all of the hard work that you've done and putting into the design is actually going to work. Um, and this can be applied to actually video, like if you're doing like a storyboard pitch, or this could be applied to web or brand or branding, however you want to do it. Um, it's going to focus a little more today on branding and design. So just kind of keep that in mind. So I'm going to walk you through just a bunch of different steps that I would do if I was presenting a design to a minister or ministry inside your church. So here are some key steps that you need to do in order to be able to pitch a design and, and, and really get that design sold. First thing is you got to rehearse. You got to rehearse your pitch. Now I know you're thinking, well, I'm just going to go in there, show them this design that we've been working on and this logo over this brand for this ministry and say, Hey, what do you think you good with this? And then they're going to give me a thumbs up and walk out. And while you can do that probably for some small stuff, when you're talking larger branding type of uh, items like a ministry name or a ministry logo and design, that's a bigger thing. And that's, that, that, that's going to require a rehearsal. And you want to rehearse because you want to come off as professional as possible. Um, the time and amount of the amount of time you've put into this design um, is important. Uh, important because one, it's, it's your time. And you want to be able to sell this design well because the amount of time you put into it. But also, your time is also your organization's time. They put money into you to have them do this design. So you want to make the best use of that. So rehearsing how you're going to pitch this and walk them through this is extremely important. Uh, the other thing is is that when you pitch a design and you do it well because you've rehearsed, you end up building long-term credibility. Because people know when you come to the table, you're going to come to the table prepared for why this design is really good and it is the best design for the problem that they're visually trying to solve, uh, whether it be branding, uh, a new design space, whatever that is. Um, the more you can credibly pitch and people will go, wow, that pitch was fantastic, the more they're going to trust you. So the fact that sometimes you might not have to pitch, you might say, we're good with whatever you do. And of course that would be, in a, that'd be a designer's dream world where they're just told, go create. We love whatever you do. Um, you may never get there, but you get closer to the, be there, being there if you rehearse your pitch really, really well. So that's the first thing you want to do. Second thing you want to do is you want to use the right language. A lot of us, when we get in the room and we're trying to pitch a design, automatically sometimes default to design language. And we start talking about kerning, fonts, uh, we start talking about pixels 
use a lot of language that most ministers maybe some ministers may be aware of, but a lot of them really honestly aren't aware of and really don't care about. That's not what they're really passionate about. You want to use language that they're familiar with, and more importantly, language that they originally gave you to begin with. Hopefully, you've sat down with this per, this person or the ministry beforehand to hear what their needs are when you're designing something for them. So take that language that they've used and turn it around and use it back when you're pitching the design. So use their ministry-related language, their their language they use in their culture, whatever it is that they normally use, or the the, the feeling, the descriptive words that they that, that's how they describe what's going on in the ministry. Use that in your pitch. Try to shy away, shy away from design language because, again, you're, you're you're going into a sphere that they don't normally operate in. Play, you know, play in their sphere, play in what they do, which is that ministry-related language. That's going to be really important to them because it also conveys that you understand them and you get them and you listen to them. And when you do that, when you convey that to them, they're going to be much more likely to buy into whatever design that you are. You're, you're giving them. So an example would be like this. Uh, say you have a children's ministry and in the process of branding, they talked about the first meeting you met with them said, hey, we want to have a fun yet safe environment for the kids. And so they, they talked through the visuals and maybe some metaphors they use. So when I'm doing the pitch back to them, I'm definitely going to make sure the words, if I hear the words fun and safe are repeated throughout numerous times or um, biblical or stories or storying or any of those type of things, those type of language, I'm going to turn around and use that back in the pitch that I, I give them when I pitch them the new, new design. I want to use their language uh, when I'm going to use their language when I'm, I'm, when I'm talking back to them so they can feel like, wow, that person really did listen. The third thing you want to do is you want to know this client uh, or ministry inside out. And by the way, I keep using the term client because I think in some ways, if you approach them like a client, think of it like an ad agency, I think it, it helps you better f- get yourself in a better frame of mind for actually doing design work. But I want to know them inside out. I want to know history, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. What aesthetic do they lean towards? What do they want to shy away from? I want to know what they what they look to in terms of inspiration. You know, are there other ministries and other churches that they model that they love? And is there some design elements that I can give a nod to that they do really well? So I want to do a lot of research about them so that, again, they feel like I know them and that I've taken my time to get to know them. And the fact that I am their champion and I'm going to champion their ministry and I'm going to I'm going to represent them well by the design that I'm about to give them. So know them inside out. The more you do that, the better they're going to feel with you as their designer. The fourth thing I'm going to do is I want to make them feel like it's their idea. Now, I'm not talking about being manipulative where you know you try to trick them into thinking this is their idea. I want them to genuinely think that this is their idea that they want to own and they want to share with others. I had a boss uh, about seven, eight years ago that every time we did a pitch, was a video, design, or whatever, he would say, I want you to sell me on this idea to the point to where I'm going to love it as much as you love it. Because I know when I love it, then I'm going to want to tell everybody else about it. So if you're not excited about this design and you're not really, you're not really excited to like to, to show it to me, then something's wrong. And I was that always stuck with me. And I think the same thing should apply in the church context. You need to be excited about the design. If you're excited about the design, you're going to get the client excited about the design. And when they feel a sense of ownership over it, they're going to feel like it's their idea, like it's a part of them. And that's really, really important, which basically means, by the way, if you're designing something, you really need to believe in it. If you're pitching a design that you really don't believe in, then you don't need to be pitching the design. Okay. 
find something that you yourself can also connect to as well. Because if you connect to that design and you're really excited about it and they get excited about it and those two things come together, then you're really going to have a design that's going to take off and your ministry is going to be really excited about it and it's going to be a win for you and for them. The fifth thing you need to do is you need to detach yourself from the design. Now, I just told you to get excited about the design and you should love it. But at the same time, you need to detach yourself from it and understand that design is not you. In other words, it is not the whole sum of who you are. A lot of us as designers will come in and we will love a design so much that it's almost like a, like a kid, if you will. And when somebody tells you that it's ugly, it's like somebody telling your baby's ugly. You just hate that. And that's totally understandable. But when we get so attached to our designs, we can sometimes get blinded to what are obvious defects in our design that somebody might point out. So you need to detach yourself as much as possible. And that may be bringing in a third party to observe what's going on or getting another opinion on the design where they can possibly maybe show you some blind spots that you weren't aware of when you were designing this brand for this ministry. So detach yourself as much as possible. You still want to be excited about the design. You still want to believe in it, but I don't want to be so dejected that if if the client rejects it, that all of a sudden I'm thinking, wow, I'm a horrible designer because of that. So I, I don't want you to do that. So just be aware of that. Number six, show them a real use case for the design. A lot of times we show logos, we do this nice, clean, white uh, background and the logo and people are like great that's the brand but they kind of don't see how it's going to fit so think as many use case scenarios as possible that you can model maybe a t-shirt maybe on the front of the bulletin maybe on a website whatever it is real use case scenarios of how it's going to play together with everything else they have the more you do that the better off you are because it's going to really kind of give them a sense of wow this is how it's going to look and feel. Uh, and, and sometimes that depends on the client. Some clients are really good at abstract and just kind of can pull it together and say, okay, I can see immediately how it plays together. Some people you're going to work with are very concrete. They're very tactile. They want to see it and almost feel it, if you will. So if you can go ahead and if you can take that design, you can apply it to real life situations, the better off you're going to be of actually getting them to, to, to buy into that design because they'll see how it's going to flesh out for them. Now, number seven. Number seven is important because it goes back to detaching yourself from the design. And that is you need to learn how to accept criticism. Uh, I will tell you personally, this is a little hard for me. Uh, criticism is not something I, I want to deal with. It's sometimes it's easy to avoid. But the reality is, is that you need to learn how to accept it and need to learn how to decode it, if you will. Again, if you detach yourself from the designs I talked about previously, and you're able to look at the criticism and say, what are they really saying in the critical in this criticism? They're, what are they really getting at? And parse their language. Now, this may require you to kind of help them be a little more objective versus subjective. If you get back the, the response, I don't like it, well, then tell me what about it you don't like. And tell me why. And the more you can get them from that subjective of the feeling to the objective, like this color doesn't work because of for these reasons or this font doesn't work because of these reasons, then you have a better sense of where maybe you went wrong or maybe a better sense of helping them understand why you chose those colors, those fonts, whatever that is. And then you can kind of hopefully get back on track where you need to be. But don't take criticism, again, personal if you detach yourself from the design. But at the same time, learn how to parse out that language so you can actually really help the client understand why you've done what you've done. 
And that's really important when you're dealing with criticism. The last one, number eight, is you need to give them options. Now, here's the thing. When you're giving people options, and this is a rule that I live by, never give somebody an option that you yourself don't like. In other words, if I've got three designs and I really only love two of them, the chances of them picking the third design that I really don't like are pretty high. It just happens. I don't know why. Call it Murphy's Law, whatever you want to. They always pick the one I don't really like. So I tell people, listen, if you only show designs that you're really passionate about that you really like, don't show anything you're not really proud of because there's a good chance they're going to pick the one you're not proud of. At the same time, people love options. You don't want to overwhelm them with options. I would tell you keep to a minimum of three, but you want to give them options so they feel like they have choices. If you just say this is the one thing and you will love this one thing, not everybody, that doesn't appeal to everybody. So you want to give them some option or some variations of what you've done so they got a sense of control. And that's really, I think, a lot of times what the design process is about is actually giving the client a sense that they feel that they have control over the situation, that they just didn't hand something off and walk away and just hope that you could nail what their ministry needed. If you can give them that sense of, yes, I heard you, I listened to you, and I think we've got something here that's going to work for you. If you can do that, then all of a sudden they have a sense of ownership. And that ownership is going to be great because if they've got ownership, then they're going to love the design. If they love design, they're going to be proud of it. And they're going to tell everybody about it. And again, that just builds long-term credibility for you. So down the road, when you're creating more work for them, they're going to just get a, you're just going to build more trust with them. And over time, they're going to trust you to do more and more things. And that whole process for you just gets better and better and better. And it makes your life a whole lot easier. So those are the the steps, the eight steps that I would take if I am trying to build a case for a design. Uh, They're not the end-all, be-all of everything you need to do. But I think if you follow these eight steps, um, and these steps take rehearsing and take work and practice, and you're not going to get them right every time. If you do those things, I think your life is going to be a lot easier as a designer and probably a lot more healthier because you probably will uh, feel a little bit better about your work and the job that you're doing. If you've got a question for me, head over to askdaryl.com. That's A-S-K-D-A-R-R-E-L.com. Or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at D-G-I-R-A-R-D-I-E-R. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. Thanks for listening to AskDaryl.com. Don't forget, if you've got questions, go online and submit them to AskDaryl.com.